I've heard it said that the one constant thing in life is change. I've also heard it said, as I'm sure most of you have as well, that Madonna is the mother of reinvention. Reinvention, by definition, is the action or process through which something is changed so much that it appears to be entirely new. Dance music mogul Shep Pettibone once told a story about a conversation he had with Madonna during one of the first sessions recording what would eventually become the album Erotica. It was never made clear what song it was, but as the story goes, he turned to her and said, It's great, but it's no Vogue. She told him that not every song could be Vogue. Not every cut could emerge as the top-selling record of all time. I guess I'm always trying to out-top myself, he told her. The next thing should always be bigger than the last. He said that Madonna turned and looked him straight in the eye. He said that it had been a very long time since he'd been starstruck by her, but she was glowing differently now. Shep, she began, no matter how fierce something is, you can't ever do the same thing twice. She then sat down to record the final vocals on Erotica and looked out into the terrace and into the New York City night. Ever, she repeated. We all know what a control freak she is. She admits to it. Being one of the most famous people that have ever lived, there are very few things that she cannot control. One of those things being change. She may not be able to control it, but she gained the nickname, the mother of reinvention, for a reason. By welcoming change and using it to propel herself and us with her into the next stage of her music, her career, her life. And oh, what an amazing journey has been to watch. Yes, the one constant thing in life is change. That goes for everyone. But for a real, true blue Madonna fan, the two constant things in life are change and the mother of reinvention herself, Madonna. Somewhere, amidst the hullabaloo of sexism, ageism, and misogyny, the focus was taken off what really matters the most to someone like Madonna. Her art. Her music. So in this podcast, we will take a journey through the musical catalog of the Queen of Pop. Album to album, song to song, I invite you to come along with me. Would you like to try? I've racked my brain for over 30 years trying to remember what could possibly have been the first Madonna song I ever heard. I've tried and I've tried, but I have no recollection. What I do recall is the first time that I ever saw her. It was the summer of 1984. I was just about to begin kindergarten, so basically it was my last summer of freedom for the next 13 years. Cable television was invading suburbia, and MTV was playing music videos 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Having two older brothers, we watched a lot of MTV. Although we had very different musical tastes, they watched things like The Talking Heads, Peter Gabriel, New Order, The Cure. But I watched because I wanted to be with the older kids and be a part of that group. And I can't remember if I was alone, or if they were there, or if my mom was there. But I remember the orange shag carpeting in the living room. I remember the brown couch. And I remember hearing, do, 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 do,
turning around and looking at the TV screen and seeing this young blonde woman dancing in slow motion with a red bow in her hair, a jean jacket with the sleeves cut off, black capri pants, and red shoelaces. I can't remember what was under the jacket, but I remember everything else. In the video, she was dancing with a group of Latino kids, and suddenly, I guess it would be a modeling scout came up to her and gave her a card and basically is like, hey, I, uh, I kind of want to make you a model. And her boyfriend comes along and is like, hey, get away from my girlfriend. She ain't going to be no model. And back then, music videos were like little movies. They had storylines and they were very well put together. They weren't cheesy. I mean, maybe they were a little cheesy, but they were still very, put, very well put together. And Madonna was a pioneer with that. In the video, it was about a girl and her boyfriend fighting over the fact that she was becoming a great big star and he didn't want her to and she wasn't going to give up her dreams for some man and she was begging him to stop pushing her love over the borderline. The song was catchy as hell. It still is catchy as hell. It's one of my favorites to this day. But I remember there's a scene where her and her boyfriend climbed to the roof of a building in New York City at sunset. And the sun is giving off this gold light. And the way the light hit her face just took my breath away. And it was at that moment that I knew I wanted to watch everything this woman does for the rest of her life. And so from that moment on, I was hooked. Now that I look back on it, maybe Madonna is the reason that I believe in Love at First Sight. Because the first time I saw Madonna, I loved her. And I never stopped. And true love lasts a lifetime. <laughs> um, but I do find it fascinating here, out of any question that I've ever been asked in my entire life, the one that I get the most is, when did you know you were gay? And I can honestly say I knew I was gay when I was about four or five years old, around the time that the Borderline video came out. And I just find it fascinating that even then, before I even knew what gay was, I was drawn to her. I don't know exactly what it was. Maybe it was her strength. Maybe it was her don't take shit from anyone attitude. Her fearlessness. But I, like so many gay men, were just drawn to her. I wanted to be her best friend. I wanted to go shopping with her. I wanted to go to get coffee. I wanted to dance with her. I wanted to sing with her. I wanted to be in the recording studio with her. I wanted to be her best friend. And I just, I, it 
there, there should be like a study done on, on why gay men are, are drawn to certain women. Um, I don't know, I guess there really is no answer for it, but that's why I bring that up. But anyway, so I remember the first album that I ever bought and listened to from beginning to end was Erotica. I had copies of Like a Virgin and True Blue, and I had like recorded songs off the radio, and I knew all the words to all those songs, but Erotica was the one that I knew was being made, and I remember the release date, and I remember being really excited for it to come out, and then there was word of this book that she was releasing along with it, and we all remember what happened there. It was... They say it was a flop, yet the book sold every single copy that was printed. So I don't know what kind of a flop that is, or what they based those statistics on, but it sold out every copy. And the world got very, very mad at her. Um, but the gays stood by her, even before I even knew that I was... I mean, I knew I was gay, but I, I wasn't out... But I stood by her side and I defended her. I remember my brothers, the whole David Letterman um, fiasco when uh, that happened. My brother was like, did you see Madonna? She's a complete idiot. She said the F word 13 times on David Letterman. And yet, I remember being like, did you see how he introduced her when she came out? He said, my next guest pretty much... I don't remember what his exact words were, but it was basically, my next guest slept her way to the top, Madonna. And she came out, and she was hurt by that. Don't you think you would be too? And she probably had a right to say whatever she wanted to to him. Um, if you listen, if you watch that interview now, in hindsight, it's he's, he's bullying her, and it's, it's not cool. But anyway, my point is... We stood by her through the sex book, through all of that. The sex book isn't even that big of a deal. I never got to see it until I was, I think I saw it, the first time I saw it, I was about 15. Um, it's, there's beautiful photos in it. She looks amazing. There's one penis in it and it's flaccid, but, and it's Tony Ward, wow. But, um... I don't think it was as big a deal as it... I mean, they almost ruined her career. And I find it... I just... I'm, it's just amazing that she got through that and came out on top. And in so many ways, as a gay man, that's how my life has been. Um... You know, we're often seen as sexual deviants um, for just having sex lives. Like, you know, Will and Grace, uh, they were cute, you know, and they were happy, but did, but Will never really talked about having sex, did he? Like, if he did, that would have changed the game, wouldn't it?
So the album Erotica pretty much carried me on its wings into puberty. And all of the things that were happening inside and outside of my body, all the awkwardness, I was... I would go in my room and put that album on and just get outside of myself for 90 minutes or however long it was. And it was probably one of the first times that music saved my life. Being a closeted teenager in the 90s was not... I tell these younger gays these days, and I hate to sound like an old man, but I try to tell them they don't know how lucky they have it. Um, you know, I there was no way I could take my boyfriend to prom. You know, I would... I, I used to get spit on and thrown into lockers and and you know I the reason that I dropped out of high school was because I was teased so bad that I didn't want to even go to class because even during class I would get tormented so rather than go to class I would go hide somewhere and you know, I had my group of friends and even I think maybe they probably knew what was going on and they were they were they were great. They did the best that they could. Um, without them, I wouldn't you know, I know I wouldn't be the, here either, but I couldn't really tell them what was going on. I, I, I could tell them, but I, I, I myself couldn't do it because I couldn't admit to myself what I was. And when I would go home at, in the afternoons, I would have erotica album to uh, to fade away into, and and it was very it was very cathartic. Um, and as time went on, and the dust settled around the uh, sex book scandal, um, and. I got a little bit older and one day one Christmas I finally decided that I was going to tell everybody who I really was and that was Christmas of 1996 it was the year Evita was released in theaters and I had this boyfriend, I'm not going to mention his name, but he took me to my first gay bar, Backstreet, and they all the, they would always want me to come out and dance, and I was like, no, I'm not dancing, I'm not dancing, and then one night I was there, and they played the Miami Club remix of Don't Cry For Me, Argentina. 
and I remember tapping my toes. I don't think I danced the first time, but I remember being like, next time that comes on, I'm going to go on the dance floor. And because they play it like two or three times a night. And I did that second time they played it that night. And I remember feeling for the first time that everything was the way it was supposed to be, that I was in the right place at the right time, and that I wasn't doing anything wrong. I wasn't hurting anybody. I wasn't sinning. I wasn't breaking Jesus's heart by dancing at the gay club. And I remember that remix and those lights and everybody just smiling and it just felt like a religious experience. And it's just a wonderful memory. And again, a huge Madonna release carries me into the next stage of my life. And you know, like, like I said earlier, I, you know, gay men are often thought of as sexual deviants. So was Madonna. Um, she used a lot of religious symbolism. So she was sacrilegious and so are gay men. And, you know, there's just so many parallels between our lives, our lives and hers. And just watching her get through them in the public eye with people beating her down. And what does she do? She looks right into the camera and says, absolutely no regrets. And that was when I realized that that's how I have to be. I can't regret anything because that's such a waste of time. My mother was a big Madonna fan also. Um, so that was always something that we shared together. We used to watch Truth or Dare um, every few weeks. There were four movies that we would watch it was Pretty Woman, Steel Magnolias, Dirty Dancing, The Silence of the Lambs, and Truth or Dare, five movies. And, you know, I had a pretty pretty cool mom. Um, you know, I, I my dad didn't ban Madonna from the house, but he frowned upon it. Um, my brothers didn't like her, still don't. Um, but my mother, you know, mothers know. They, she always knew, I think. And she knew that Madonna was very important to me. And she let me have her in the house. And I thank God for that. I think she did when I t when I came out to her and everything. I think she did say something like, 
is this because I let you watch Madonna or something like that? And I was like, Mom, no. I was like, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. And that lasted about, I think it was about a half an hour until she came into my room and was like, okay, let's go shopping. And then everything was perfect again. Um, my mother was the most accepting person and she wanted me to be happy above anything. And I think that when I did finally come out and say it, she could see that I was happy. And she always knew that Madonna made me happy. So she allowed me to express that. And I'm very grateful for that. Very grateful for her. I'm grateful that, you know, who, what other kid gets to sit and watch Truth or Dare with their mother with Madonna humping the bed singing like a virgin and it wasn't awkward um, it was fun uh, we loved her we loved Madonna and we, that was something that we shared together and um, whenever I hear like a prayer I think of my mother um, and that can be hard and it can be beautiful at the same time um, most of the time it's beautiful. So, before I go into explaining what I'm going to do on this podcast, I would also like to say that I did end up going to see Evita that Christmas with my mother and my boyfriend at the time. This was like a week after I had come out of the closet and my mother's already going out to the movies with me and my boyfriend like he's one of her kids. So that's how amazing my mother was. I love her. I miss her very much. Um, and I also wanted to mention um, in February of uh, 2000, I had just turned 21, um, I went to Menjo's, and usually we went together, but for some reason Jenny Lee was already there, and I walked in the bar, and she, I saw her, and she had her drink, and she came over to me, and she's like, hey, I found somebody that I want you to meet, and I was like, alright, which was weird, because, I don't know, I never, that was like, nobody usually, usually ever hooked me up with anybody, but anyway, um, so she takes me over to the you know, to the little lounge area and introduces me to this cute little twink and his name was Justin and we started talking and um, this was right a, right before the movie The Next Best Thing with that Madonna was in with Rupert Everett came out and she covered Don McLean's American Pie and I remember on the way to the bar that night I was like, they're releasing the club mixes, so they're going to play that tonight, so I have to dance to it as soon as I hear it. And it came on while I was talking to this kid. And he kept talking, and I was like, I got to go dance to this song. You can come with me if you want, but I got to go. So I turn around, I go, and he followed me. <clears throat> and we danced to um, Madonna's cover of American Pie. And he ended up going home with me that night <clears throat> to my apartment above the wired frog <clears throat> and I had a bunch of magazines and um, one summer me and my friends all sat and cut out pictures of Madonna and p 
pasted them all over my living room wall. So my living room wall was just wallpapered with a Madonna collage. So many, like, pictures of so many pictures. I can't even... Hopefully I can find a picture of it and I'll post it on the face the Facebook, uh, you know, site to this web, this podcast. But covered with pictures of Madonna. And I take him to my apartment and I sit him down in the living room and he looks over at the wall and he's like, who's that? Why do you have that woman all over your wall? And I was like, are you, are you serious? And he looked at me like, yeah, who is it? I'm like, you don't know who that is? And he said, he said no. I said, what kind of a gay are you? And I basically schooled him on Madonna. And um, I ended up staying with him for 13 years after that night. He was, I always joked with him and told him that he was the one night stand that never went away. Um, But I adored him and we lost him in April of 2018. So, um, I would like to dedicate this podcast to the memory of Justin William Verhelly, who was basically my husband for 13 years, and my mother, Carol Gale Buss. And, um, yeah. Um, Okay, so we got that out of the way. Um, So, Peace, Love, and Madonna. With this podcast, I am going to go through every song in Madonna's catalog. Each song, one episode. Because every song has a story. Um, Sometimes I will have a guest co-host. Sometimes it'll be just me. Sometimes maybe I'll have two or three guest co-hosts if I can get them all together. We'll see how it goes, and we'll have a conversation about uh, certain Madonna songs. Um, Hopefully, uh, we'll get more ways that the audience can be interactive, and we can all be a part of it. Um, I'm setting up the Facebook page and everything, so um, yeah, it'll it'll all be—it's going to be a lot of fun. So what I did is I took each album and great—I gave each song points. Points for passion and meaning, which would be like, you know, like the meaning of the song and like, 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 like a prayer would be more passionate than say, um, hanky panky, you know, like it it means a little bit more. So it gets a higher, gets higher points. Um, so points for meaning and passion, production, lyrics, melody and vocals so again meaning and passion production lyrics melody and vocals um because some songs madonna is on point with those vocals especially on stuff like like on on the like a prayer album 
and True Blue. Oh, it's just uh, her voice is just amazing on some of those albums. And some of them, I, I do want to get one thing straight. There, I, I there's not a Madonna album that I don't like. I like them all. There's not a Madonna song that I don't like. There's just some that I like more than others. Um, so the album that gets got the lowest okay so I gave each song a grade and then I average out the the, al- the grades and then the album gets a grade based on the average of the songs and the song the album with the lowest score is goes first and so on until we get to the top spot um, I am a little bit surprised because I tried to grade it as fair as I could without any type of um um anticipation like or wanting anything to be at any certain point I wanted to do it as fair as I possibly could so I think I did a pretty good job with that and I am a little bit surprised at the way things came out um but I'm happy with the way things came out so I might as well just go ahead and let you know that the album with the lowest score was Like a Virgin so we're gonna start with Like a Virgin um the first track on that album is Material Girl. So, Peace, Love, and Madonna, Season 1, Episode 2, will be all about Material Girl. And I guess that's about it for this one. And you get got to hear a little bit of my Madonna history that's even... I didn't even break the ice with some of that, so there's so much more that I have to tell, and it's all gonna come out as we go on with these songs, and I'm really looking forward to it, and I really hope you all join me for the ride. And, um, peace, love, and Madonna.